Welcome to The Good Stuff, Cliff Central's very own happy hour. You may have noticed already that something is drastically wrong with the podcast today, with the broadcast, because I'm not Brent. Yep, so Brent Lindeke, who hosts the show, is currently on his way back from an overseas trip, um, and he's sitting in the middle of an aeroplane right now. So it's me, Andrew Ross, at uh, behind the microphone, and I've got one of my established and esteemed colleagues, Owen Walsh, in the studio with me. How's it, Owen? How's it, Andrew? Cool. So, um, we're, we're not going to try and be Brent because A, I don't have the energy and B, um, I think he's doing quite a good job of being himself. So what we're going to do instead today is we're going to have a look at some good stuff that went on over the weekend, specifically around Father's Day, first of all. Um, and just picking up on some news on the wires around some really cool Father's Day stuff and uh, some background around that. We're then going to chat to Owen, who's the crea- executive creative officer. Something like that. Of, of <laughs> Have Us Worldwide? Chief Creative Officer, whatever that means. Chief Creative Officer. But it's Have Us Worldwide, he's a part of the uh, fifth largest communications group in the world. And uh, OE and the creatives have been doing some phenomenal work around proactive campaigns for power and saving the survivors. So I really want to have a look at the uh, good news around unpacking this concept of proactive work, firstly. Um, and then we'll have a look at some of the, uh, the, the projects specifically. And then we're going to wrap up just before 11 o'clock with some cool, funny stuff just to see the hour out. So, uh, as usual, you can chat to us on WeChat. You can chat to us on the Twitter or the Facebook. Um, you know exactly what to do. And um, let's get cracking. So, Father's Day came up and Father's Day is gone. I am a father. Oh, yeah, I know you're a father too. Yep. In fact, our daughters are very similar ages. Is it just me, or is Mother's Day seen to be more important? Because <laughs> I have a problem with that as a father, firstly. It depends who you ask, I guess. Uh, if if I was my wife, you'd probably get a very straight <laughs> answer. Yes, it is more important. Um, a good question. Do you think we're the unsung heroes in these? I'd like to think so, and I'm going to claim it anyway. <laughs> I'm going to play it for all the drama it's worth, frankly. So yeah, so so technically speaking, it's the fourth largest public holiday that cards are sent and gifts are given. So there's uh, Christmas, Eid, and Christian. Terms is Christian. Uh, there's Christmas, Easter, Mother's Day, then Father's Day. So we are officially behind all the mothers, literally and figuratively, a lot of the time as well. So um, I was thinking that um, I didn't I didn't actually know the history of Father's Day. It's American. It's actually an American holiday. So it's something that the the European guys have. Um, clung on to, but it's, uh, it was started in America actually. $12.7 billion is spent on Father's Day in the States. Wow. I got to borrow chocolate. <laughs> I got a packet of chocolate. It was lint chocolate in fairness. So, fair enough. I got to borrow chocolate. $12.7 billion borrow chocolate. There's disparity here. I'm sensing there's disparity in Father's Day. Um, yeah. So, um, what was really interesting about Father's Day is how some of the celebrities celebrated their Father's Day. A very sad one to begin with. I actually found this one on Mashable, but Paul Walker, who um, was fast and was furious and is now neither. Um, his daughter put up a very old photograph of him and it's just crazy. I mean, so what, what, what's really interesting in social media terms is the way Instagram's overtaking Facebook. I don't know if you've noticed that, Ovi. Um, not really, to be honest, but 
So I'll in, take your word for it. Yeah, it's just in terms of reach. So, I mean, someone like Paul Walker's daughter puts up a photograph and she gets 153,000 likes and oh. around 3,800 comments of a single image, no content, no context, just a couple of lines. So, yeah, so it's really interesting to see how Instagram's really overtaken. How old is his daughter? 17. Okay. Yeah. Same as ours, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so Paul Walker's daughter had a fitting tribute, I think. Uh, I found this one simply because it's quite weird to think of someone like Justin Timberlake as a father. Hmm. Um, I mean, I still think of him as, you know, 21 year old whippersnapper dating Britney Spears. Yeah. Who's your daddy <laughs> rather than who's your father? He's 34 years old now, which makes me feel really old. Married huh. um, Jessica Beale and their daughter is, uh, sorry, their son is two years old. Um, so he as well. Uh, on Instagram, stuck up a uh, a photograph of him and his little baby boy, went through the roof with a oh, huge amount of Father's Day. But it's quite interesting. You're seeing a lot of um, a lot of paternal side to these guys. Um, uh, flexing for Father's Day, Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there from the newest member of the Daddy Fraternity. Very cool, very cool. So maybe he's not such a dick as I thought he was. <laughs> Because I have too many was. So, uh, what, what did you do on Facebook for Father's Day eh? before we go on to the next celebrity? Let's talk about you as a local celebrity. Well, that you are. Uh, my dad's not on Facebook. He was. He couldn't figure it out, so he decided to pack it in. I'm not sure if he f- could figure out how to get off it, <laughs> but I think my sister helped him get out of that thing. So it was. There wasn't really much point in me wishing him a happy Father's Day on Facebook, but my daughter did for me and surprised me uh, with a, a beautiful pic that she posted. Um. And then a packet of lint chocolates <laughs> and a lovely card. But I, I, I don't know that it's about, and I suppose Mother's Day is the same. I don't know that it's about, you know, the big gift and the big, it's more about, I guess, just the acknowledgement of the role those people play in your life. And what was interesting for me was a couple of friends of mine, um, whose fathers had passed away put up tributes to yeah. their dads on Facebook. And, and, and that was very moving actually. That was, Lovely, because it it does, and I suppose Instagram the same yeah. from the Paul Walker thing. It affords you the opportunity to actually pay tribute Acknowledge. publicly sure. to someone who meant a hell of a lot to you. Yeah, I was quite, I was quite, I was quite taken back at how many people have lost their fathers. Mm. I actually, I actually stuck up on Sunday. A thoughtful way to honour your dad on Father's Day is to post a sentimental picture of him on a social media site he doesn't know how to use. <laughs> well, that would have been me had I done it. <laughs> Yeah, so I stuck a picture of my kids in the car with me. We were busy driving, and so I, I did take a I did take a kitty selfie. I must admit, I don't do selfies very often. I take a lot of photos, but I don't do much me facing stuff. So I did put a kitty selfie up and uh, stuck it onto Instagram and Facebook and YouTube and every social media account under the sun. Um, and uh, I got exactly seven likes. I think I think we're too old for this. I think we are. <laughs> but I think I was mentioning to you uh, this time last year, I mean, being in advertising, all the advertising professionals out there will know about the Cannes Festival. Yeah. And this time last year, we were actually there. And I always remember Father's Day as being synonymous with the first day of Cannes, where the first shortlists come out, and you know whether you're going to be bathed in glory or bathed in something else. Mm. And... um I was miserable because that particular shortlist didn't have our name on it, um, sitting feeling incredibly grumpy, and then went onto Facebook to mope and found that my daughter had posted a montage of, or a collective of photographs of her and me, entirely off her own bat, with a big I love you dad thing, 
which kind of put it all into perspective and made me feel a lot less mopey and a lot more um, well, realizing exactly the role that awards play in an advertising person's <laughs> life, which is not quite up with yeah, not quite dadhood there. and family. Exactly. Final, <coughs> final story I'm going to share because it's really topical because he broke the internet. She broke the internet was a very interesting, again, Instagram picture from, uh, Caitlyn Jenner. Well, now, do the Kardashians, is it Happy Mother's Day times two now or is it, what is it? Well, they celebrated Father's Day. Did they? They did. They celebrated Father's Day. There's a picture of them all standing by a Jeep buggy out in the desert with Caitlyn in a dress. Right. So, you know, hey, best of both worlds for now, you know. Again, what's really wild, I'm just looking at the reach. I mean, so, so he officially got to a million followers faster than, than Obama on Twitter when he opened his Caitlyn Jenner account. Um, and this post got 20,900, uh, retweets and 65,000 favorites to get it. I think it's probably to your point earlier is that we're the unsung heroes and you yep. thought, sod it, I'm jumping to the other side where Take it. they get the real attention. <laughs> <laughs> he gets more than a box, of, he gets more than a bar of chocolates. Yeah, exactly. All right, cool. So that was Father's Day. Bit of fun to start off with. Uh, if you are tuning in, you can follow us on Twitter at cliffcentral.com. You can find us on Facebook at Cliff Central or on WeChat at Cliff Central too. So, um, feel free to shout out and chat to us if you want to. We are going to now move on to the main crux of what I'm talking about today, and it's, it is really feel good stuff. So I come from a marketing background. I come from the marketing industry, the broad based marketing industry, and we get to do a lot of cool stuff with a lot of cool brands. And occasionally, just occasionally, we're able to do really cool stuff for people that need it. So take the, the, the commercial angle aside and we get to do what's called proactive work where we sit and find cool ideas that can benefit cool charities. I mean, um, just from your side, I mean, within, within the Havas, um, group, I mean, proactive is a really strong thing, isn't it? It is. I think the, the proactive, I mean, it's normally associated with award work. And, and I think to some degree wrongly so. I think that might have been a perception from, the bad old days. I'm not sure that that's the same now. I think what being proactive literally means taking the initiative. So instead of waiting for a brief to land on your desk, you look at your client's problems and you look at the issues and you come up with ideas without being asked for them. And I think that's kind of the way we should work to a large degree. Yes, day to day we have problems that they ask us to help them solve. But, you know, at the end of the day, all we really have is our brains and we're ideas, we're ideas people. That's what we make and that's what we market. And, um, you know, there's no need to wait to be asked for an idea. And within that framework, what often happens is we try and spread the net a little wider beyond just our day-to-day jobs mm. um, because an idea can come from anywhere and be appropriate to anything. And there are times when we come up with ideas for worthy causes. At Have Us, we like to pride ourselves on the fact that um, we're a business but we also would kind of like to make the world a better place, and it's ideas that do that. So we feel an obligation to go out there, and if we have an idea that's appropriate to helping a worthy cause get its message out, uh, going to them and offering our services. I mean, how, how just for people that are listening, I mean, how would they know proactive work? I mean, I'm thinking of something which has been around quite a lot in South Africa recently, which was 
the uh, Cape Town originated street store as an example. Yes. Um, I mean, that's a prime example of a bunch of creatives, not have us creatives, but a bunch of creatives coming up with an idea and then going out and making it work. Uh, are you saying how does the public know it exists? Yeah. Or? yeah. Um, I think these days it's social media plays such a massive part in that. I mean, it's, it's a couple of things. It's word of mouth. So it is the classic viral, viral in its true sense where it spreads organically. Um, but social media these days makes that so much easier and so much more effective. So typically the guys will come up with an idea, um, and they'll spread the word on social media because these are generally things that we don't have budget for. And essentially, we, we fund ourselves, which we're more than happy to do because it is for a worthy cause. Um, so we'll go out and we will talk on social media about them, spread the word, say that it's out there, say when it's happening, how it's happening, etc., etc. on the one side. So that's the build-up to the thing. Uh, for the street store thing was an actual act. It was an sure. actual event that yeah. happened, a physical event. So getting people to come and be part of that. Then on the flip side, to get it out there and to get that message spread wider, um, we will – Film it, shoot it, document it basically, and spread it virally once again. We'll put it on YouTube. We'll put it through award shows, which are their own yeah. PR. Um, and in any way possible, just get that message out there. I mean, the street store's gone global, hasn't it? It's actually literally being replicated yes. around the world now. Yes, it is. Yeah. And, um, you know, so, so something that happens as a thought in a, an agency studio somewhere can, can suddenly change the world. And to wit, there were a whole, uh, We'll see what happens at Can this year, but last year, a huge proportion of the stuff that won big was socially aware stuff. There was uh, a thing for Indonesian child prostitution where they changed the whole landscape of that. Tell me about um, that one. It, it was called Sweetie. Yeah. It was done by a Dutch agency. And all of the stuff, by the way, is on online. Just go and have a look. Um Essentially what they did was they created an avatar. So they went and they sourced these kind of child prostitution websites. It was, uh, what do you call it, uh, internet sex. Or, yep. And, um, so I don't the, know what you're talking about. I couldn't contribute to that. Me neither. I was just told. But uh, so, so these kind of online chat things where you would have an underage prostitute, in this case an Indian easy on the other side of the line. And what they did was they created an avatar, fully digital child. Who looked completely human, who sp- spoke, who did everything absolutely naturally, and they used it to lure uh, unsuspecting customers in. And then they were able to, because they were yeah. tracking, they were able to get their names and details, name and shame them, and uh, it resulted in a huge amount of arrests. It changed the whole face of uh, child prostitution in Indonesia for the better, cleaned it up a huge amount. It was an amazing thing. Another one which was astonishing was that the, the, there was a group, and they're not even an advertising agency, but a group who figured out how to uh, 3D print prosthetic arms for uh, mine victims, mm. as in landmine victims in Africa, people who'd lost limbs, which is appropriate to what we're getting to, I guess. But, sure. uh, and they discovered this incredibly cheap way where they could print something out for, don't quote me, but for essentially a few dollars, what would cost you thousands uh, to be done properly. Absolutely effective uh, prosthetic arms. Now, that's not advertising. Sure. That's just a great idea. And it wasn't done by an advertising agency. And yet it was acknowledged and recognized worldwide. Do you think, do you think agencies, whether they, whether they're advertising digital PR doesn't make a difference. I mean, people working in the field of communications, do you think that they have an obligation 
to use this opportunities that they're allowed to create um for for good i mean yeah. You know, the cynic, the cynics going, oh yeah, well you just want to win awards, so it's cool, so, you know, whatever. Um, I'm not sure that we as marketers understand the power that we hold. I was having this discussion with someone the other day about brands and, um, and obviously, you know, our space is very much around connecting fans to brands through common passions, be they, you know, sporting sponsorships or, or activations for Coke or whatever the case may be. And I wasn't sure that people really understood and i wasn't sure i really understood until i took a step back how much power you actually hold and not in a megalomaniac you know way of the the stick sort of way but you really do have the ability to influence people's thoughts influence people's perceptions and influence people's lives as a result of those thoughts and perceptions changing it's 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 almost you know a huge responsibility uh in in answer to the initial question which was do we have an obligation? I would say absolutely yes. Um, and I- exactly to your point. I mean, the, what we do for a living, what we're trained to do, what we do every day so we're in the habit of it is we flex our thinking muscles and we wrap our heads around problems, marketing primarily, and we come up with ideas to communicate to the world in effective, memorable ways um, the the answers to those problems. Yeah. So that's what we do on a daily basis. Now there has been a shift worldwide and you'll pick it. I mean, the, the CEO sleep out, for example, classically, but it's happening hugely where big, big, uh, brand groups like Unilever, like record Ben Kieser, like PNG, et cetera, et cetera, are actually saying, listen, it's got to be part of our business plan to help make the world a better place. Yes, we are unashamedly about making money. We are unashamedly capitalist. But a part of that, not just a sideline CSO, oh, we need to look good in the eyes sure. of the government, but a genuine component, I'm sure Coca-Cola are the same, yeah. genuine component of their business plan is now let's try and fix the world. Sure. Because if we don't help fix the world, how are we going to sell to the world? And I think that's an attitude that is pervading everything we do now. So us as advertising practitioners or Communication practitioners, shall we say, I think have a massive obligation yeah. to put our brains to use for not just making money or making our clients money, but to actually help you make the world a little better yeah. in some way or other. And there are myriad examples. And Look, this is the Good News Network, and we're talking about, I think, the good news before we get to the examples. Um, we're talking about the good news of marketing, and I think I think it's really cool that, um, that uh, companies like Prime Media are – Investing as much time, effort, and energy as they did into the CEO sleep out, as an example. Mm. And I, th- I think in countries like this specifically, um, we, and I mean, ironically, uh, you know, Brent Lindeke, who hosts the show, will be the first to tell you that the world needs more good news. Um, and it's really interesting to see how, um, for probably a week after the CEO sleep out, um, my Twitter timeline was absolutely full of reposts retweets favorites whatever and it, it's a level of engagement and i think you know we're seeing social media move from reach to engagement and it's a level of engagement you don't see with normal corporate content you don't see it with a promoted post from um a brand telling you to buy an airline ticket you don't see it from a um, a sponsored tweet or from a even from a genuine conversation being driven by somebody in a community a social media community uh manager's position so it's really interesting to see that that it sort of backs up that the public out there, the consumer who's 
uh, infinitely aligned to this brand actually genuinely does want to see the brand doing good. Mm. And uh, if with the brands that are doing that are certainly seeing seeing the results. And what's really interesting from um, some research that we've got um, in in have a sports entertainment called Fans Passions Brands um, with some stuff done around meaningful sponsorships and the fact that, that customers actually want brands to be engaged. They want to see them doing those things. They don't just want to see them you know, sticking logos onto T-shirts and sticking and marketing on, on the four P's price. Mm. You know, that's gone long ago. So it's really interesting to see that, that as the modern consumer is evolving, the modern, um, that the need for the consumer to want to see something, to see good news is, is becoming more and more bold. We're going to, we're going to talk about the case studies that we've got after the ad break, which is coming up in, in about three minutes. So, oh yeah, I've got one final question for you and that's, again, with a cynical hat on. Um, the award ceremonies like Cannes, I mean, you spoke about it earlier on, it's going on right now. I think it, opened, yeah. it's literally, you know, you know on, since Sunday, yeah, as week, we yeah. speak, it's literally up and about and running and rolling. Yep. Um, do they do, do they place enough emphasis in in the recognition of CSI initiatives, broad based, and uh, within that the proactive pieces of work, or or are they more concerned about selling bottles of milk? Um, I don't think they need to. Is the answer to the question? What they're looking for is effective communication. What that effective communication for is for is is kind of not really the point. The point is, is the communication effective? So are you selling bottles of milk or are you helping landmine victims is not really the criterion. The criterion is you had a, you had a job to do. Did you do it well? So it's equal. So yeah. it doesn't matter whether it's a campaign for a client selling stuff or whether it's a, a, a campaign to make the world a better place. What they do, and in all the big um, events, is they say how well and how effectively was that job done and communicated mm-hmm. and rewarded accordingly. And what's happening because Can is so um, such a big deal, and so t- I mean it's essentially the what South by Southwest of, of advertising, pretty much, or the Comic Con of advertising. Yeah. And um, because it's such a big deal, um, you, what you're seeing is the things that come through as working very well. Um, are, high, are suddenly brought into the public eye in a huge way. And um, and a huge amount, and I noticed this last year in particular, a huge amount of that stuff is about making the world a better place. So by default almost, just by the, the amount of entries that are now skewed more towards that, you're going to get a lot of that work coming through. Um, so I'm not sure that the intent – there are specific categories and there are specific movements within the can thing that are about – you know, those kind of initiatives. But generally, CAN is about how well did you do your job and not necessarily what what was that job. All right, cool. So I think we've we've pretty much established the need for proactive work and work in and around and on behalf of charities of some description in the marketing space. I mean, it is the good news of marketing. Mm. It's the good news of advertising. It's the good news of communications and PR. Um, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, I want to talk about two very specific pieces of work that have come out of Harvest Worldwide um, and the the stir that they are causing in local circles. And how you hey, Van Cleaners, Worcester. Mm. Conrad speaking. Hi, Conrad. This is Chad from the Glen Gables Hotel in Worcester. We're looking for a new cleaning service. I found your number on the Internet. Would you be interested? Yeah, flip great. Where are your offices? Well, on the corner of Alaho and Aldo, across from the Beef Cack and Tag Shack. 
gar kein Wald. There's more than one Wurster out there. Reach a more relevant audience by advertising with the Yellow Pages. Visit yellowpages.co.za and get listed online with South Africa's most trusted business directory. Yellow Pages for local reliable results. Unreal. Uncensored. Unradio. Clickcentral.com. All right, and we are back. Sorry, I'm just moving a microphone as I do that, which I should never do, but hey, we'll get over it. All right, so uh, Owen Walsh, Chief Creative Officer, Havas Worldwide, Johannesburg, and part of the broader Havas Village, also doing a lot of the senior creative work around the world for the global Havas uh, network of agencies. You've got two very specific projects that you've worked on here in South Africa. Um, why don't we chat about Power first and, sure. and how that came about? Power, for those who don't know, stands for People Opposed to Women Abuse. Um, it is quite a prominent organization and many have heard of it. Um, but it being such a burning issue in this country, um, and not just women abuse, child abuse, abuse in general, um, any initiatives that can help them help people in need are hugely appreciated by them. And one of my creative teams came to me and said, you know, we've been thinking about the fact that where does a woman, an abused woman or a woman who's physically beaten, and I must also stress it's not always physical, it's mental too, but typically this would be a husband or a family member or someone close to them that they live with or in some kind of relationship with. So where do they go if to seek help that they're not under the shadow of that person? Because it's difficult. I mean, even within their house, that person has access to them everywhere. They have to get out of the house. It's a, it's it's difficult. If they're online in their home or on their phone or whatever, where do they go that they're not going to get tracked down by that person? Oh, sorry, I just want to, uh, if you've just joined us, by the way, sorry, A, I'm not Brent. B, Owen isn't Brent either. Uh, it's Andrew Ross standing in for Brent, who's on his way back from overseas. And uh, we're chatting about the good news of marketing comms and PR and when brand when agencies get involved in working on a proactive basis with causes, charities, whatever it may be that really need them to highlight specific causes. Um sorry, so just where we're coming from with this in case anybody is tuned in and was waiting for Brent to talk about Twitter and YouTube and cats. He's <laughs> <laughs> gonna he's gonna hate you for that comment. <laughs> we can talk about cats. Yeah. Um, sorry, Karen. So the guys came and said, where's these safe havens are hard to come by? And then they said, we had an insight, we had a thought, and we had a realization that actually they're not. There are places that are in public, so safe, yet private, and they're in every shopping mall in town, and they're called changing booths. Okay. So it's a place where a woman can go in. She cannot be followed by anyone that she doesn't want to be in there. It's entirely acceptable for her to be shut off. And she's in a public place where if anyone caused the stir about that, it would be noticed. So what if we reach out to those women in, um, in changing rooms? And then we took it a step further and said, well, that's great. But how, how are we going to put a message out there that is effective and that is noticeable? And we thought, all right, what if we, print up a poster of a woman of a woman's body bruised and battered and then put it inside one of the dresses on sale in the clothing shops whose change rooms we're, we're targeting so that's what we did so the mechanics work that typically a woman would walk in pick a dress off the dress thing you can see i'm 
<laughs> the dress thing. The, the dress thing. The coat hanger. See how much time I spend hanging out in <laughs> women's clothing shops. Um, off the hanger, bring it into the change room, and when she takes the dress off the hanger, what's revealed underneath is a poster to, act, to size, to scale, of a woman's torso that is bruised and battered. And now it's a twofold function. The first is, if this is you or you can identify with it, here's where you can get help while you're in here and no one can touch you. Yep. Second thing is, on a broader level, because, yes, directly you want to reach out to abuse women and give, and give them a, a, a source of help. But secondly, we want to raise awareness of this as an issue. Um, is underneath that dress is suddenly revealed what a, what a, the, the harsh reality of a battered woman's body. And the other part of the thing is that um, it's so easy to hide. And that's the, the second component, if you will, or another level of this thing is that it, to show just how easy it is to hide this horrific secret of being beaten. Literally, you put clothing over it, it's not there anymore for anyone who doesn't particularly want to see. So in one hit, we've got a way of reaching abused women in a, in a safe haven that is a common place throughout, um, you know, throughout any city. And second of all, raising awareness of just how easy it is to hide this thing and the fact that it should be put out there for all to see. So that was the thinking. And what happened when you when you went to power and said, hey, we want to do something radical like this? Well, they were fantastic. It's a lady called Sakina Muhammad yeah. who runs power, an astonishing woman. Um, and she was absolutely open to it and said, yes, please. We've unfortunately had a bit of a snag in that a lot of the major retailers um, have said thanks but no thanks. And I kind of understand that, you know, they do a lot of CSI support, et cetera, et cetera. And the bigger the shop, the more logistically difficult it is to put these things inside dresses. So no blame apportioned there. But I would like to reach out. We are working through some smaller retailers, individual ones, private ones. And I would like to reach out now to anyone who owns a clothing shop or a clothing chain of any description to please help us out, you can either contact Sakina on the uh, Power website, which is power.coza, or you can email me on, can I get my yeah. email address out? Yeah. It's E-O-I-N, strange spelling, blame my parents, dot Welsh, W-E-L-S-H, at havasww.coza. Because anywhere we can get this out, if it goes into one shop and is seen by one per abused person who reaches out and get help, that is Something. I mean, but this is the good news of marketing. This is the good news of communicating. Why are, why do you think retailers are saying, saying, you're great, but, but we're not too well, keen? I, I th- it's not all retailers. I think it's the, the big chains. I think there's a few reasons. The first, I think, is that they support a lot of worthy causes already. So there's a little bit of charity fatigue seeping in. I think they are a little concerned about the controversiality of it. One reply we got was, well, what happens if, uh, you know, a woman brings a child in there and she sees this? Personally, I, I don't so necessarily agree with that, but I do respect that, that, uh, that viewpoint. And I think, thirdly, it's logistically tricky for them. The bigger the place, the harder it is to put in. But, I mean, all we're really talking about is doing it once or twice. And then PRing it as well. All right, so I'm going to put the call out. We want a major retailer to pick up this course. Yes, please. We want a major retailer. So anybody listening, anybody out there, anybody that knows someone, we want a major retailer to pick up this course and have the balls, bluntly, yep. to carry this campaign 
into the space where their primary target market, which is women buying clothes, are given the opportunity through an entirely passive messaging process, very high-impact messaging process, to get help if they need it. I, I cannot understand why, why people wouldn't do that. Well, we also uh, thank you, and I, I second that any retailer, yeah. it will cost you the princely sum of nothing. We have the posters Sorry, printed. So, so we're not. So these guys are saying no, but we're not. We're not even asking to pay for it. No, there's nothing to pay for. We'll come there. We'll put them in store. We'll set it up. There is no cost. Well, no financial cost. All right. Okay. We're going to throw it out there. We're going to find somebody to do this, and we are going to get the power message out into. And I don't think it's an excuse. I don't think it's an excuse that somebody might see it. Maybe that's the best thing that could happen is yeah. that somebody sees it. I would tend to agree. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's such a fine line. Um, I, I, I'm not, uh, I'm not ignorant to the fact that this type of thing happens and that uh, corporates, you know, back away. Um, we saw it with the, with the random act of kindness program where people were going. You know, uh, some corporates were getting very heavily involved and some corporates weren't. They just didn't really quite know how to handle it, so it's easier to say no. And my argument to them was very much the same as, as in the random acted kindness space. The guys that were going, oh, we just do good, but we don't talk about it. And it's cool. Then would you rather not that your act of good deed could stimulate someone else to do something? And I think this is the same. If you've got passive space, un- it's not even it's not even unsold inventory. It's not sitting uh, as a, as a marketing tool now. Um, surely you're going to be able to find a, a retailer in this country. Um, you know, Woolworths are, are putting all this money behind, you know, Pharrell and the campaign and music and a great campaign. And we understand why we know that music drives affinity to brands, but surely at some stage they still need to be doing something else. And I think it's unacceptable that none of the big retailers have, have agreed to this. So I'm putting it out there. I'm going to chat with some people behind the scenes and we'll, maybe get someone like uh, Gareth to help uh, lend a voice to this and see if we can do something. Fantastic, and thank you. Cool. So um, let's move on to the second one that you've got. So, And this is a a very visual um, piece of work. So talk us through um, Saving the Survivors. Well, this is an interesting one by contrast. Um, you, we were talking earlier about how agencies approach the whole proactive thing. Now, in the, in the case of power, power is not a client necessarily of ours, yeah. and I don't think power has an agency per se. I know a lot of other agencies, including us, who will go to a group like Power with great ideas, and I think that's phenomenal. Saving the survivors is a slightly different thing. One of our biggest clients, PPS, who are an insurance company for professionals, are actually supporters and sponsors of this of this movement. And let me talk a little bit about it because it, it is an absolutely phenomenal thing. Saving the Survivors was started by two uh, vets, Dr. Jan Marais and Dr. Gerard Steenkamp, both who work in the Honest to Put Vet Training Hospital. And both very English. <laughs> totally. <laughs> they are English. Um, they, they work... It, the Honest to Put Hospital is a training facility for vets through Tikis, but it's also a working hospital. Now, Johan is a, an equine surgeon by training, so essentially specializes in the surg- surgery of big animals. Yeah. And quite surprisingly, there's not a lot of that skill around. So what happened was, in terms of poaching, if there was an animal that was poached and injured but not killed, they would call him in. And they call him in for a rhino, 
and surprisingly, again, a lot of, a, there wasn't a lot known about the sort of physiology of rhinos and how to operate on them, et cetera, et cetera. But what happened in this instance, and this is what Saving the Survivors is about, is the rhino was poached, badly hurt, its horn taken but not killed. And that is quite often the case. And rhinos are perfectly capable of living a living totally healthily without their horn. Essentially, the horn is like our fingernails. You know, you can take it off and nothing will happen. Unfortunately, the process of taking it off through poaching, and I hope, you know, it is horrible, but they'll cut an entire nose off. They'll just saw it off with a chainsaw, literally. Or they'll shoot the animal to put it out or drug it and not give a toss whether it lives or dies. So what you have is a situation where a lot of rhino are not killed, they're mm. left for dead with horrible mutilations yep. and and Johan and Gerard were being called in as big animal surgeons to try yep. and help save them. And from that came this movement that they established, Saving the Survivors. And they dedicated to exactly that, saving the survivors, saving the rhino who were poached, badly, badly hurt, but not killed. Can I ask a question? Mm. Do we have rhino fatigue? That's a very interesting question. And I think... Um, because I think we do. What what often puzzles me, and and I've asked this question several, and in fact I asked some of the Saving the Survivors yeah. guys who who do a different thing, so they were also as befuddled as I was. Is there's so much awareness and so many causes? So presumably there's a lot of money being raised, and yet the rhino stats, the rhino poaching stats don't change. In fact, if anything, are going up. So I. So what's interesting, what's interesting is that, is that I, I can tell you for a fact that one, I'm not going to mention their name. Um, but one of the, for one of a better word, one of the pioneers in the rhino, uh, movement in terms of, uh, getting on the bandwagon very early on, um, for the right reasons, not gratuitous self-promotion, but for the really genuine, heartfelt right reasons, raised a huge amount of, of money through sales promos and all sorts of things and contributions off pack to um, a couple of the very, very good, well-respected rhino, rhino preservation programs. And there were various ones. I mean, it's, it's not a, a problem that you can tackle through a single aspect. And, uh, I was, I was watching from a distance, wasn't involved in it. I was watching from a distance. And after two years, they've, I, I don't want to say given up, but they've decided to channel their funds elsewhere. Not because of, not genuinely, not because of public, uh, uh fatigue that, oh, we're not getting our bang mm. for a buck and because nothing's making a difference. Mm. And you're, you're, you're basically spending all this money and donating all this money for no material change in the circumstances or the situation surrounding rhino poaching. And I think that's just, you know, I think that's something really interesting that you found an angle. My point is that you found a creative angle to get a corporate Interested and involved in a very real problem, um, that, you know, offers good news at the end of the day and there's a really, really positive outcome, which is fantastic. When a lot of the corporates are looking at it going, we're not making a difference. Mm. Do you think that's, do you think that's the reason that, that PPS have, uh, have got involved in this? I think, well, I think PPS became involved because these guys as professionals came to them as clients mm-hmm. and once pps realized that uh, this is what they do they decided hell no this isn't these guys deserve our support and i need to distinguish between what they do and general rhino poaching awareness campaigns and movements etc cetera, etc cetera, because uh, directly they are saving rhino who have already been poached so that they, they are not 
their, their immediate uh, priority is not stopping poaching so much as it is saving already poached rhinos from death yep. because they can be rehabilitated Brilliant. and they can be saved. So it is quite specific. I'm not saying anything negative about sure. rhino poaching per se. And, of course, sure. there's the broader thing that any awareness of the problem is going to generate poaching PR. But what they're about is helping us to take these animals and save them. They would have been left for dead. We've taken them. We've found ways of um, of bringing them back mm. to, to good health and they're, they're back. And, uh, so and I suppose because it is specific and because it's quite a small thing, I think there's three doctors that are directly involved yep. with the support of Unsupport Hospital and also with, the, with PPS behind them. And I'm sure any other corporate support that they that goes their way, they'd be delighted to have. But, yes, it is specific. And you can go on their website, savingthesurvivors.coza, onto their Facebook page, and they tell the stories of these rhino. Yep. Literally, there's one called Hope at the moment who um, it was featured on CNN, and the story was told there as well. So there is a if, – if your point being, is it just too broad yep. and money disappears into – some random thing called rhino poaching awareness and we never actually see anything. The difference here is that you will, you see it as it's happening. And, um, tell me about the creative execution. I mean, what have you done? How have you, how have you brought this to life? So the creative insight was if a human suffered the same fate, in other words, if they had a horrific accident and lost a piece of themselves, in other words, an amputee, chances are very likely uh, medical assistance would come almost immediately. They would be looked after. They would be cared for. And this would not be life-threatening. It would be awful and tragic, but they would live. <coughs> Excuse me. So the creative team came to me and said, you know what, there is a correlation here because if it was a human, they would live. And what we thought was, well, how can we, how can we leverage that to make this point about rhino? So we created a campaign and we actually got hold of uh, four real amputees that we used, astonishing people. Um, and the point that they made was, well, I'm glad I'm not a rhino, specifically because if I'd lost a limb, that would not in and of itself been life-threatening with the right reaction. But had I been le- like a rhino, I would have been left to die. So I wouldn't be here today to tell you my story. So that was the essential insight, and that's literally what we did creatively. With real amputees, with we real didn't amputees. Photoshop something out or green screen no. it, or this isn't Hollywood. Um, no, we sourced them through uh, prosthetics manufacturers. They were all incredibly keen to be part of it. Yeah. And bear in mind, no one's making any money out sure. of this except, hopefully, in time, saving the survivors, which is the point. Yeah. Uh, all of our suppliers, the people who came in and took the photographs, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, all donated of their time for nothing. And um, the posters and the outdoor hoardings and the print ads that we made have been placed by uh, people like Prime Media and other media owners Brilliant. who were not only hugely excited about it, but who gave of their time and their space and everything very willingly. So a big shout out and a thank you to them. And is there is there a positive? Is there a good news end to this? I mean, absolutely. It's I think the point of these stories is that these people are living fantastic lives. They, the, the campaign is still in the running. So in a print ad or an outdoor hoarding, you, you, you don't have much more time to make the point. But we're now going to go into social media where we're going to tell these people stories, which are astonishing because from incredibly tragic beginnings, car accidents, bike accidents, one guy who lost an arm and a leg in a, in a mining accident, uh, a youngster who him and his twin brother crashed their car while they were – 
out joyriding celebrating their matric results. As lighties do. And his, the, yeah. they were twins. One brother was killed. The other lost his arm. So horrific circumstances. But in each instance, these people have gone on to become phenomenal successes. Yeah. One of them was a, was a corporate person um, and gave it up to do what she always wanted to do was start a photographic studio. Um, the, the youngster who lost his arm is learning to play guitar single-armedly. With his feet. <laughs> well, with his one arm. He's figured out a way of using a prosthetic limb and one sure. arm to play guitar. It's amazing. 16-string um, Peruvian nose flute, I believe, is quite yes. talented. Probably, <laughs> probably his best shot. Yeah. He's doing it. And um, but, uh, So here's, here's uh, devil's advocate. Hmm. Exploitation. I don't think so. I, I would say absolutely not. I mean, we cleared it 100% with all of these people. We asked if they were happy. We told them exactly what they were letting themselves in for. Everyone was 100% happy with the thing. It's, it's controversial. I don't think it's exploitational. Um, these are all people who are living normal, healthy, happy lives who are only too happy to yeah. allow their stories to help us out. No one's making any money out of this. In fact, we are spending quite a lot of money on it ourselves, yeah. as have us, and happily happily so. Sure. Um, so I would say absolutely no. Controversiality, yes, yeah. but relevant controversiality. Well, I suppose if it's uh, in, in the sea of Save the Baby Rhino and Facebook posts of rhinos with their faces hacked off, you've got to be controversial yeah. to, to be heard. I, I, I don't think controversial is necessarily a bad thing. And I think there might be a little bit of, you know, what have you called it, charity fatigue or rhino yeah. fatigue rhino in that fatigue. sense of like how yeah. many pictures of a mutilated rhino can you see before you just stop looking? Yeah. It's a little bit like the cigarette packet thing with the, you know, the, the stuffed up light. There comes a time when it doesn't do matter. Yeah. Turn the cigarette packet over. Sure. So, and trust me, go on to saving the survivors, you'll see plenty of that because it is the harsh reality. But in the public message, we decided we want to shock, but it doesn't have to be as brutal as that. So you get through amputees living happy, healthy, successful lives. You get you get the point, but not yeah. you don't get the ooh gross factor. So saving the survivors Can people? Can, how do people get involved? Go straight onto the website. Can they donate? They can donate. Uh, there's contact details and everything there for who to get hold of, how yeah. to donate. There's a Facebook uh, page as well, which is is fantastic, and the stories are consistently updated. So very for power and for for saving the survivors, just go onto their websites, power.coza, savingthesurvivors.coza. Everything's there that you need to know to help out. Brilliant. All right. So I mean, let's just let's just wrap this up. Um, we've we've spoken a bit longer than than I thought we were going to, but that's fine. It's, I think it's been really important to understand how. How, as the marketing communications industry, you know, there's good news going on around really good work that's being done for free, um, for the genuine belief that, that causes are important. What, what's in your mind? I mean, you've obviously, you've obviously got these proactive ideas floating around all the time. You've addressed rhino poaching and, and, and made a very strong sort of stand around that. You've addressed um, woman abuse and violence. Final thought. What what What's the next thing that you think as a South African, not as an advertising person, as a South African, what do we need to highlight? What's next? Where do you start? <laughs> yeah. um, I think, I mean, we actually at the moment are working on something for, do you know what trolleypreneurs are? No. The trolleypreneur oh, yeah. guys, the guys that you will see going down the street with the trolleys with all the, the, the big, 
sacks on them. Yeah. Something to make their lives easier. There's okay. an issue. Oh, to, there are. Mir- I mean, this is a country. I love South Africa, and I love the million fantastic things that it has to offer. But it, there's problems, and you don't need to look too far to find mm. a cause. Trust yeah. me. Um, so, and I would say, you know, from our point of view, it, it gives us a lot of joy and a lot of satisfaction to be able to use our talents for good. It also allows us to be quite free in what we do. You know, unencumbered by the the sort of parameters of corporate identities mm-hmm. and, and, and that kind of stuff. So you can actually bring an idea fully fledged to life. Um, the one thing I would say, though, is that we are – these are things we do off our own bat. Yeah. Um, so we need all the support we can get from the big corporates or whatever. And maybe the last thing to say is um, one of the amputees that we used, a lady called um, Chantal, lost a leg in a bike accident on her birthday. Can you imagine what that's like? She said – Quote, unquote, it's the best birthday present I ever had. Why? Fantastic. Because it changed her life yeah. completely, and she is now living this phenomenal life. Wow. So that's what we like to do. From bad comes good. This, this program's theme is good news. Bad things can be converted into amazing – so let's say tragic beginnings yeah. can end in amazing happy endings. Fantastic. Owen, Chief Crea- Owen Walsh, Chief Creative Officer of Harvest Worldwide Johannesburg. Thank you for inspiring us and bringing some fantastic stuff to the table in terms of of great ideas, serving really great purposes, and doing good things for people that need it. I think it's been really insightful. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Cool. Uh, Brent's back next week. Uh, so from me, Andrew Ross, you can follow me at maddog underscore SA, and um, you can get in touch through all of the normal channels. So uh, I thought we'll play out with a rather appropriate tune from Robbie Williams called Advertising Space. Cliffcentral.com